Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Himalaya. Hello. Thanks for joining us on Think Like an Economist, which is a Himalaya learning production. Go to Himalaya.com slash econ to get exclusive content and enter the promo code econ to get your first 14 days free. To find out more about Himalaya Learning and to try out our extra material, head to Himalaya.com slash econ and get your first 14 days free by using the promo code econ at checkout. It's time to think like an economist. The German Historical Museum is one of the most popular museums in Berlin. It has a huge range of items about the country's history, from rare books and maps and newspapers, to toys and clothes, to medical instruments and everyday household items. The museums also exhibited piggy banks and money boxes, the sorts of items which people used to save their money in, with the oldest ones being 400 years old. Some have inscriptions on them about the importance of saving money, Others have engravings of beehives, which traditionally symbolize prudence. Germans have one of the highest savings rates in the world, with households typically saving at least around 10% of their income, and often much more. And during the current COVID pandemic, Germans saved even more than usual. At the end of 2019, German households were saving over 18% of their income. This jumped to a whopping 28% in March 2020. In fact, it's pretty common for people to save more when there's a lot of uncertainty about the future. And when you save more, well, you'll be spending or consuming less today. Pandemic or not, we all make decisions all the time about if we should spend our money today or save it to spend in the future. This week, we're going to be looking at consumption and saving on Think Like an Economist with me, Betsy Stevenson. And with me, Justin Morphus. We're teaching you the super tools of economics so that you can transform your life. Nazdran Tabakolifar joins us. We just heard about savings. Consumption is also a huge part of our day-to-day lives. It is, and it's a massive part of the economy. In the US, consumption makes up over two-thirds of the economy. And let's recap. Consumption is what households, or everyday people, spend on final goods and services – That means everything from rent to food, medical bills, and pretty much most things we buy. Consumption's the biggest component of GDP. And in general, people consume more when they earn more. We'll delve into just how much more a little later. So we're looking at consumption and savings in this episode. I guess if we don't spend our money, we're saving it. Yes. And so in this episode, we're going to look at that relationship between consumption and saving and think big picture. How much do we consume over the span of our lifetime? You can think of saving as being your future consumption. After all, the main point of saving is to have money to spend in the future. 
Now, this is important as a lot of us are making decisions all the time about how much of our income to spend now versus how much to save or rather how much to spend at some point in the future. We're using the interdependence principle here. We're saying your choices for future spending depend on your choices about how much you'll spend today. We can break this down more. You know, whenever you get your monthly paycheck, Naz, you know, you have to decide how much you're going to consume and how much you're going to save. And questions about how much or how many are about the marginal principle. Yes, you can break it up into that question. Should I consume one more dollar this month? And at each point, you'll be using the cost-benefit principle. So should I spend this extra dollar if the benefit exceeds the cost? Right. So now let's factor in the opportunity cost principle. Which asks, or what? As in, what could I be spending this dollar on instead? What's the next best alternative to spending this dollar? Yeah. And one of those or what's is that you could save that dollar, earn interest on it, and then spend the money in the future. Don't forget that you earn interest on the money you save. Ultimately, what you'll hopefully be doing is applying what we economists call the rational rule for consumers. You should spend that next dollar today if the marginal benefit of spending that dollar today is more than the marginal benefit of spending that dollar plus the interest it'll earn in the future. So I'm interested in this concept that we're constantly deciding whether to spend today or spend in the future. I know a lot of us do this on a monthly basis when we get paid. It goes beyond that, as a lot of us make decisions about whether we should spend now or in the future when we're looking at spending today versus spending in a year, five years, 10 years, or 20 years down the track. Naz, you've been to university, and I know you studied economics. How did you pay for it? It was a mix of savings and scholarships and loans, which I think is pretty typical for a lot of people. And so you were spending more money than you actually had at the time. That is pretty typical. You had to borrow to be able to spend money for university. Well, the thinking was that my education would help me earn more in the future, so it would make sense to borrow money and to pay it off later. I totally agree. In fact, I often tell my students to borrow money for that backpacking trip that they keep dreaming about in university, because in the future, when they're busy with their careers, they'll be money rich but time poor. They can afford to take a loan out and pay the trip off later. And I assume there are times in our lives when we need to do the opposite, where we should probably save more today so we can spend more in the future. That's right. And a lot of us do this when it comes to saving for retirement. It makes sense to borrow money to go backpacking when you're 19, as you're going to earn a lot of money later on when you start working and you can pay that trip off. But when you're in your late 30s or 40s, and you're probably around the peak of your career and earnings, you should be living well within your means and putting money away for your retirement. So we're adjusting how much we spend at different points in our lifetimes. When we're students and not earning, we should borrow. And when we are earning, we should first pay back what we borrowed and then save so we can spend when we retire. So it sounds like we sort of even out how much we spend at different points in our lifetime. That's exactly it. This is an idea we economists call consumption smoothing. This is about having a steady amount of spending or consumption over time. Instead of being poor as a student and as a retired person, and living it up when we're working, we should aim to smooth our consumption over time through borrowing and saving. If you smooth your consumption, you'll be roughly spending a similar amount through your life. You can think about it another way. And there are times in your life when you're rich, you're earning a lot of money, and times, well, when you're poor because you're not earning as much. Consumption smoothing is about taking money from your rich self, who probably doesn't need it as much, and giving it to your poorer self, who probably needs it more. 
It's about shifting your money around to when you need it most. So Betsy, you were saying about encouraging your students to borrow money for a trip, and I said how I borrow to cover some of my university fees, all with the knowledge that we'd be earning enough in the future to pay this all off. I guess this makes sense for economics graduates who tend to earn more once they're in jobs. Would you encourage others to take out big loans as students? That's an important consideration. You can afford to borrow more if you're studying economics or medicine or computer science, and you can be confident that you'll be earning good money when you graduate. But the truth is, if you're going into social work or something like that, where the pay is more modest, you probably have to be more careful about how much you borrow as a student, because you're not going to earn so much later on, so it'll be harder to repay. Your expectations about how much you're going to earn when you graduate will affect how much you should borrow, and how much you should spend as a student. The higher you expect your future income to be, the more you can afford to borrow and spend today. We call this the permanent income hypothesis. Your permanent income is the best estimate of your long-term average income. The higher your permanent income, the more you can afford to spend both today and tomorrow. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Consumption smoothing is really interesting. It sounds pretty organized, though. We know that the real world is sometimes a bit messier than these theories. Yeah, that's true. What we observe in the world is that most people, through most parts of their life, operate a bit like this, and that's because people don't like to have their consumption jump up and down. But not everybody is what we call a consumption smoother. That is someone who'll borrow and save so that they have fairly consistent level of spending throughout their lifetime. There are a lot of people who live paycheck to paycheck. We call these people hand-to-mouth consumers. It may be that they have difficulties planning ahead, or for some other reason, they tend to spend whatever income they have straight away. It sounds like these hand-to-mouth consumers are a bit disorganized, but is that the whole picture? No. One of the main reasons someone may be a hand-to-mouth consumer is they can't get access to credit. A bank is more likely to lend you money if you already earn good money, or you have a house, or something that they can take away if you don't repay your loans. If you're unemployed, well, a bank is less likely to want to lend you money just so that you can pay your rent. It's going to be harder for these folks to spend some of their future income. So consumption smoothing is going to be more difficult. I think a really great example of how people get constrained like that is taking a look at what happens when people become unemployed. Without unemployment checks, people's consumption falls a lot. Those unemployment checks get spent in their entirety because without them, people don't have access to the other kinds of credit they would need to be able to maintain their consumption. While unemployment checks tend to get spent right away, not everyone tends to spend money as soon as they get it. 
And during the current COVID pandemic, the US government gave everyone $1,200. Most Americans actually saved a lot of this money. Our figures show the typical person spent around $350 and put the rest away to spend in the future. That last point is really interesting about how most Americans saved a large portion of the $1,200 checks they got from the government. A lot of people have been hit really hard by the pandemic. I'd have thought most people would have spent this money. The key here is that expectations play a huge role in whether we spend money today or save money to spend it in the future. I assume that when we're doing really badly, we may perhaps want to be more cautious. That's right. When people feel pessimistic, they save more as the future looks bleak, so they want to be prepared for any upcoming hard times. The thing is, this can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I used to joke with reporters in 2019 that they kept asking economists so much about if there would be a recession that this would scare people, making people feel pessimistic about the future, and so we would end up causing a recession. Expectations are just so powerful when it comes to how much we spend and save. Remember we started this episode by talking about how Germans save a lot? Harold James is an economic historian at Princeton University. He's written and researched a lot about Germany's finances. He says that historically, Germans have been more concerned about the future than Americans and so more likely to prepare themselves in case there are hard times. And so coming back to the pandemic, how has consumption and saving played out? And I'm interested in decisions you've both made over this time. Well, we were planning on buying a new car back at the start of 2020, but then we had no idea how the pandemic would impact our income, so we held off. However, you know, on the flip side, it turned out we were spending less on a lot of other things due to lockdown and not being able to be out and about. The obvious one is eating out. Yeah, I noticed that when I was doing my taxes recently. I was going through my accounts and it was actually really shocking seeing just how much money I'd saved by not eating out since March. It makes sense, Naz. Eating out during a pandemic is less desirable, if it's even possible. So it's better to save that money to eat out in the future instead, once the world's more open and back to normal and eating out is a more enjoyable experience. Don't forget, the opportunity cost of spending on money on something today is not being able to spend in the future instead. We're recording this in February 2021 and vaccination programs are now underway. So the future is looking promising. A lot more promising. There's optimism, and economists are hoping that once we've all been vaccinated, people are going to spend all that money that we've been saving while we've been cooped up indoors. We're more likely to save when we're feeling bleak about the future or if we know we aren't going to be earning, such as when we save for retirement. Now, what else will make us more likely to save or rather more likely to spend in the future instead of today? People will save if they've an expensive life change coming up. Say you're getting married, you're thinking about buying a house, you're planning to start a family. Certainly Justin and I can tell you that families are expensive, so it's worth building up some savings in the run-up to all of that. Another reason why people save money is that you may want to pass wealth on when you die. For some people, their motivation is for their descendants to live well. Others may care about a cause and want to leave some of their wealth to help the world when they pass. We call these bequests, and these explain why a lot of elderly people don't spend all their money, as they'd like to leave something behind for others. And macroeconomic factors have a big influence on consumption and saving decisions as well. For example, if the real interest rate goes up, well, it's going to be much more attractive to save. The real interest rate meaning the interest rate adjusted for inflation. 
exactly. A higher real interest rate means you'll earn money by not spending it and putting it into a savings account. So you can spend more in the future than you could today. And one of the main ways to encourage people to save is to increase that real interest rate. And vice versa. I was recently looking at some Bank of England figures and noticed they hugely dropped the interest rate in March 2020, which is when the pandemic really started spreading around the world and there was a lot of uncertainty. That would make sense. They probably wanted to encourage people to spend instead of squirreling their money away. We're ending this episode by looking at savings. I reckon a lot of people listening to Think Like an Economist probably want to live well today, but are also looking to the future as well. I know I want to save more money and to be smarter about it too. What tips do you have about saving? One of the things that can really help is to plan. Literally, write down a plan so you're not tempted to spend at the last minute. The best way to avoid temptations is to set a budget and stick to it. People tend to make better decisions when they're making them in advance rather than the heat of the moment. And if your plan isn't working well, then sit down, reassess it, try a new plan, see how that works. At least make sure that you're thinking things through in advance. We've already talked about saving for a rainy day. Another important thing is to take advantage of any kind of retirement plans you're offered. You know, if your employer has a retirement plan you can sign up for, sign up for it. And even better if your employer offers some kind of retirement match. Never miss an opportunity to get more money from your boss, even if you'll be spending it when you retire. And there are some simple tricks that can make saving feel a whole lot easier. For instance, once you've paid off your student loans, then put the same amount of money away each month in a savings account instead. Do you mean to say that once I've paid my loans off, I should just put $250 into a savings account each month? That's right. Continue to budget as though you won't ever be able to spend the $250 that goes into paying off your loans. It's an easy way to build up your savings without even noticing. And finally, try to keep as much money as you can. This sounds obvious, but retirement and investment accounts will charge you fees. And sometimes these fees can be a lot of money. Shop around for accounts with the smallest fees. Governments also have programs which encourage savings, and they tend to give you a bit of a break on your taxes. That's another way you can build more for your future. Betsy, Justin, I'm going to start planning for my, for my future savings. Hey, Naz, thanks for coming on this podcast, and I think you really saved it. <laughs> You know, when I was in in college, I had to do a critical writing workshop. And the thing I wrote about was consumption smoothing. I was totally fascinated by it because I was dead broke in college. So broke. And I'm always sensitive about these hand-to-mouth consumers because, you know, there were like weeks when I was living off of a box of crackers. But Betsy, coming back to the big question, if your future richer self could have sent money back to your poorer student self. I couldn't borrow. But if you could... I would have. And I did. I did travel around Europe. I was so broke. And I maxed out every way I could borrow. And I had no shame in asking to borrow money. I took every loan opportunity I could. And then here's the key, though. You got to pay it all back. You can't just, like, think I got a job. Woohoo! Spend! I was in my 30s before I bought my first full-price pair of shoes. I was like, oh... Shoes that are not from a markdown bin? I'm going to do it. I am now 32. I'm going to do it.
Thanks for listening. There's a lot more from this show and others like it on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go. For exclusive content, including bonus episodes and supplemental materials, go to Himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ at checkout for your first 14 days free. Himalaya.com slash econ has loads of great shows like ours, so try it out using the promo code econ at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist.